What is up, people? You are listening to the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart, and we have a great show lined up for you guys today. This is a college football preview show, so we'll be breaking down all that's going to be happening in college football this season. Of course, we are coming up on week one of the college football season. We just finished week zero of the college football season last week, and considering the excitement I saw online about the week one, the week zero matchup between Nebraska and Northwestern, which are two teams that no one expects to make a lot of noise this year, and yet I'm seeing... You know, Casey Thompson and Helinski uh, Heisman odds <laughs> as the game is progressing. I think that was a great indicator of just how excited people are for college football. And I'm excited that it's back. I'm excited to do this uh, preview podcast. I think last year, I don't know if we did a, a full preview or if we did, I don't remember doing one. I think that last year, because of the way things worked out, we weren't able to do one. This year, we have so much to get to on this show and i'm excited to talk about it so let's not waste any more time let's get right to it so joining me is my co-host for this for this week and this is shamari stewart sham i know you're a big college football guy we often like to uh trade barbs and, and, and butt heads a little bit because of uh your love for the florida gators and my love for the miami hurricanes but considering uh your uh knowledge of college football i think you're a great person to have on the show this week and as we come into these week one games and this full slate of games for the first time this season which is the game you're most for most looking forward to uh coming up here uh so of course you know i mean i feel like this is isn't going to be a surprise to anyone anyone but it's definitely the florida uh utah game oh Um, i'm actually you know it's funny like it it it, it makes it's not surprising now because of course i just said you're a florida fan (laughs) um and that is a pretty big game, but I was surprised. I thought that there was a more obvious choice, but but Shamari going with Utah. So let, let, let's say let's let's get it. Why why the Florida Utah game? Yeah, uh, and I know there are there are other games, certainly other games that that could be picked from the list of games. But for me, uh, Utah is on upset watch. Uh, for mm, me, wow, and, and, starting and, starting to show all spicy. I love it. See, and I don't even think it's spicy because I think we were snubbed. So there's a lot of different. So there's a lot of different things that could happen. And, of course, this is going to be a very interesting year for college football. Um, you know, a lot of different things that could happen um, in this game, right? So if Anthony Richardson balls out, this could mm-hmm. give him an incredible springboard into, quite frankly, the Heisman Trophy candidacy and Heisman conversations, etc. Um, but... Um, but yeah, honestly, I, I really think, um, you know, I think Florida is being very, very underrated, mm. and I'm shocked, honestly. Um, if we if we were if if we were given if we were snubbed like this last year, actually maybe would have thought it made a little more sense, um, because we had lost, you know, Kyle Trask and. We were kind of in an in-between period. We didn't know what to expect from Emory Jones as quarterback, and um, we just didn't we we just didn't know what to expect, quite frankly, from the team. But this year, I'm shocked that we would be left off the top 25. Um, so very shocked, honestly. So yeah, they're just adding fuel to the fire, putting more chips on our, on the on the Gators' shoulders, um, and. 
I think Utah is very much on upset watch. If if Richardson is is three quarters as uh, as good as as he could be, <laughs> as we've seen that he could be, then they their defense needs to be on very high alert. We have a lot of good. He has a lot of weapons too. He does not. He doesn't have weapons. He has weapons. Um, our running back room is still very strong, in my opinion, and we got. Um, uh, a transfer, actually, another someone that actually came over with Napier, um, a running back from uh, Louisiana, Montreal Johnson, who had a great year last year and, you know, won a bunch of awards and stuff like that. So he's he's been brought on as well. Um, so this is this is going to be very interesting to see. This is I think this I think I'm going to be watching that game. I think at halftime, a lot of other people are going to be watching that game. So that's all I'll say about that. Okay, very fascinating. Shamari going with the upset pick for his game to watch in week one. See, this is why I love doing this podcast because, you know, you know, everybody knows the family knows we're kind of basketball heads. But when we get to sit down and really talk in football, sometimes I get caught by surprise because I'm thinking my whole in my head of how things are going to go for this season. And I'll catch Sham on the spot. And he comes out saying Florida downs Utah in week one. So that would be a, a major storyline. I think when you hear more of the conversation on this podcast, you'll see why that surprises me so much. But when I think of week one and there are other ranked ranked games that people are looking at, I think people are looking at that Georgia-Oregon game that's going to be played at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I'm not as concerned about that game for Georgia. I think Oregon, I'm, all, I'm out on Bo Nix. I think Lanning mm-hmm. being the D.C. from Georgia now coaching Oregon. I don't think it's the advantage people think it is. I actually think that it'll probably make Georgia very comfortable with what they'll be seeing on defense from Oregon. You know, Oregon has a very good defense. Um, the kid Sewell, Noah Sewell is one of the absolute best defensive players in the country. I think Georgia handles Oregon in week one. Um, I think that Arkansas-Cincinnati, interesting. I'm not sure if it'll have really any other ramifications other than just being interesting. I think the marquee matchup, and it's why it's got the primetime slate on ABC, mm-hmm. is going to be Ohio State Notre Dame. Um, Ohio State has this juggernaut offense, an offense that I think a lot of people expect to maybe break records, to maybe um, be the only team that could really see Alabama in a game <laughs> if they actually have to end up facing each other in a national championship game. And this is a really good test to start the year. Notre Dame also has a very good defense. Um, I think there's a lot of excitement about the new coach Freeman, um, their new uh, quarterback coming in that, that was just named. Notre Dame ranked number five. That seems a little high for me given some of the, the turnover. But I, I think that with their defense and I think with just the kind of the, you know, the Notre Dame brand, seeing how they fare in their first game with their new coach against what is going to be a buzzsaw of going into the horseshoe uh, at Ohio State is going to be must-see TV. That's a game I cannot wait for. Yeah, I mean, it really is going to be must-see TV. Um, I mean, I can't really argue with that. I mean, Ohio State, um, I, I feel like this Ohio State team could be reminiscent of um, the uh, Joe Burrow Jefferson Chase LSU offense, right, and even going as far back as the Reggie Bush liner kind of US USC day, just in terms of offensive firepower, right. And I'm sure that'll be a recurring theme, quite frankly, on this on this show um, when looking ahead to this to this year. But they have guys, they have the guys to do that. 
So, I mean, I, I mean, I can't argue with that. And it'll be interesting to see what Notre Dame is going to be able to do against them as well. Yeah, and, and when, when I looked up my research on Notre Dame for this podcast, you know, of course, Marcus Freeman was their D.C. Right. last the last few seasons. Now he's their head coach. Do you know who their new defensive coordinator is? No. A familiar name. Uh, definitely a name that kind of makes my skin crawl. But uh, Al Golden, former Miami oh. head coach, is the D.C. at Notre Dame. And uh, Marcus Freeman has been saying that he thinks Al has been doing a fantastic job in camp and a fantastic job all throughout the offseason. Of getting their defense ready, so I'm very curious to see what an Al Golden defense looks like against this. <laughs> again, just this this offense that is just insane, and we'll be talking plenty about uh, Ohio State uh, in this podcast. But already getting the ball rolling with um, the uh, the games look forward to here in Week One. But let's uh, let's start the, the show talking about the number one team. So that is the University of Alabama. So Nick Saban comes into uh, year 16 here. At Alabama with a new $93 million contract extension. They've got the reigning Heisman Trophy winner in uh, Bryce Young, the quarterback. They got the reigning Nagurski Defensive Player of the Year award in edge rusher Will Anderson. And a squad that, of course, like I said, is ranked number one in both the AP and coaches poll. And while they did win the SEC last season, they did not win the national championship. They were knocked off by Georgia in the title game. So, there are a lot of expectations for Alabama to avenge that loss and to get back to the mountaintop and win the national title this year, given all the talent that they have. So, Shamar, when you look at this Alabama team, we kind of look at what they have and why they're so dominant and why everybody expects them to do so great. Sorry to the Alabama fans that may sound like this will be kind of a negative way to kind of start the conversation on Alabama today, but I will ask you, what do you feel would it take to knock off Alabama this year? Because there's a million reasons why they'll win it all. Uh, I just named a bunch of them to start. But when we say what what could be their Achilles heel, what could be the you know the, the banana in the tailpipe for them, what do you see? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to um, – it's kind of hard to pinpoint anything. It's hard to – to point to anything on Alabama, mm-hmm. um, I think Bryce Young doesn't have as much firepower as he did last year. We'll see, of course, how that if that if that ends up being the case. Um, but I think that may be the only thing because he's going to come in hungry. And uh, honestly, the thing I want to mention, want to say, is. If something happens to Bryce Young, <laughs> mm, right. that's kind of my default answer because he's not going to make mistakes. I mean, I think he showed that last year, um, and he that I think that loss in the national championship is just going to energize him even more. You know, I think it's just yeah. I, I think he cares that they're ranked number one. He doesn't care they were ranked number one last year. He doesn't care. I, I don't think he's going to come in thinking just thinking that he's going to win. I think I think he's going to come in with a massive chip on his shoulder. I think he's going to come in um, not as kind of just, oh, you know, young cat, new quarterback. No, I think he's going to come in. This is my team. I'm taking the reins, and we are going to the national championship, and we are going to win a national championship. That's what, that's what I think his approach is going to be. So I think a lot of it rests on his shoulders. If if anything happens to him, if there's any kind of setbacks mentally or otherwise, he can get kind of um, reactive, similar to, similar to Kyler a little bit where he yeah. kind of needs to fix kind of the game face sometimes mm-hmm. when when things don't go his way. 
Right. So if he can stay out of his head and just stay healthy, I think that's kind of the only thing standing in their way. You know, so I think you make a great point talking about Bryce Young. You know, of course, none of us wish injury on him. You're not wishing injury on him, obviously. Right. But, like, I think, I think it's interesting to bring up Bryce Young because as soon as you said that, it kind of made me think, well, let's think about the last time Alabama had a team that we all thought was mm-hmm. unbeatable and was absolutely going to win that championship and they were going to be unstoppable. It was when they had Tua Tungavailoa. Yes. And his last year, and guess what happened? He got hurt. He had the mm-hmm. dislocated hip, and it hurt his draft stock. And a season that looked like just a foregone conclusion that Alabama was going to be national champions and he was going to you know, be all-world and win everything turned out not to be the case because he got hurt. So mm-hmm. I think when we think of this team, and I, looked at, I, look, I was just looking at that roster. I mean, that team had Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy. Like, I mean, I'm like, are you serious? Like, that was that was a receiving core. Like, both of those guys caught for more than a thousand yards that year. Jalen Waddle was the third receiver. You know what I'm saying? Henry Ruggs was the was the fourth receiver. Like, that was their team. So yeah. that was a team where you looked at them and said, this team is unstoppable, unbeatable. Nobody's going to be able to do anything. Their defense was insane. But the quarterback that you all we all knew had to stay healthy and upright for them to win it all couldn't. And he got hurt, and that was why they did not win a national championship. So I do think that pointing out Bryce Young's health and the fact that he is a, a slighter quarterback I think is important. And that maybe kind of pseudo leads me to maybe my point in Alabama, and if there is anything that I would look at, I would probably say maybe the offensive line. Um, it is revamped. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they lost Evan Neal, who was an excellent, right. uh, excellent left tackle, but the rest of the offensive line wasn't even that great last year. They weren't great in, in short yardage situations much of last year. Obviously, great being relative, you know, probably a lot better than most football teams, but not great by Alabama stairs by any stretch. They have two really strong guards, but the, the, the tackle position is is a question mark, and the center position right now is a question mark. So Nick Saban has talked about it throughout training camp as that this being the thing that he's most concerned about. So if he's saying he's concerned about it, then that's the thing I'm going to look at and say, okay, Let's see what happens playing against, you know, SEC-type pass rushers, SEC-type front sevens. Alabama has by far more talent than everybody, but it only takes one bad Saturday or one bad Thursday. Well, I don't think they play Thursday night games in SEC, but, you know, one bad Saturday for them to maybe not, you know, be doing the job up front and they get beat at the line of scrimmage and maybe they lose a 23-24 kind of game. Uh, so I look at maybe the offensive line is something to look at. I also look at... It's interesting also you talked about the expectations and the pressure and things like that because you said, you know, them losing and things that happen at the end of the year will make them motivated. And I think that, honestly, I do agree that them losing is probably was best for them coming into this year because they don't have this idea of, oh, we won that championship, so, you know, things are just going to be given to us. But I do think that when you come into a year with the reigning Heisman Trophy guy, the the best defensive player, a guy who people think will go number one. You think you may have the number one, number two picks in the draft on both sides of the ball. I think Nick Saban is going to try to beat it out of them, maybe even literally. But, like, I think there is a subconscious that just feels like, yo, we, we should be good. Like, okay, last year, like, if it wasn't for the fact that all of our receivers got hurt, we would have probably won the national championship. And that's the only reason why we lost. And we got the two best guys in the country. I do think that if there is any chance that we see – some slacking, it may be some of that. Some of this feeling that uh, they were kind of the uncrowned national champions from last year and that because they had the best players coming in this year, that it, it would be a given. Now, Saban, you would think, wouldn't allow it, but I've seen teams 
kind of just buck whatever Saban is trying to teach them and don't play up to their level of expectations. So I think it's going to be curious to watch. I don't think that's going to happen to this team, but that would be the thing I would look at and say, okay, maybe this is where something goes awry. Mm. Yeah, they definitely have to. They definitely have to remain focused. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not as con- concerned. I think just. I think like you said, like them losing. I think that really is a thing that's going to help them. You know, right. help them stay focused. Help them, you know, keep their eye on the prize and not just get distracted by we're ranked number one. You know, like I, I really think they're gonna, um, you know, and, and I also think it helps that. Um, I don't think it's the necessarily the consensus opinion that they have the best team. I think a lot of people are looking at Ohio State and saying, right. you know, why can't they win? Right. <laughs> you know? So I think they have competition, you know. So I really do think, um, you know, I, I think I think they're going to come in energized this year. So let's quickly talk about the defending champs. So we're staying in the SEC. Georgia won the title last year, beating. Alabama, but I still feel like there are some questions that surround Athens in this repeat bid. Um, of course, like I mentioned at the top, Dan La- Dan Lanning is no longer there. He was a defensive coordinator. He's not a head coach at Oregon. They've lost eight starters on defense, a defense that will really stand the test of time when it comes to their historical performances last year. And Stetson Bennett, the QB, did silence some critics, but I think there are still a lot of people who look at him as a game manager and not really a true star. So... What do you think about Georgia potentially taking a step back this season, or do you still feel like they'll be a dominant team? Um, I think they're going to take a step back, if I'm being totally honest. And I think it's a combination of factors. Um, I think Georgia just lost like a million guys to the draft because, of course, their defense was just incredible. And their offense is very formidable, too. I mean, they lost two running backs. I mean, they, they lost a lot of guys. Yeah. Um, so, you know, not to say the other guys can't step up. I mean, and they will, I think Georgia's still going to be a great team this year, but, but they're going to take a step back. They're not going to be as good as they were last year. Uh, you know, I'd be very shocked if they were. So I definitely think they're going to take a step back. I think it's going to be a significant step back because, um, and you know, and I know I, I, I'm, I'm probably giving Stetson Bennett, a lot more uh, locker room material that more, even more locker room material, but he's just not, he's just not Bryce Young. He's not, you know, Anthony Richardson. He's not, he's, he's just not, you know, I, I, I mean, he's, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but mm-hmm. he's not a guy that's going to, or look, but he isn't, if I were on that team, he isn't a guy, he comes in the locker room, he's screaming, trying to get you amped. He's gonna get. He's gonna get me. You know, the coaches is gonna get me. Shamar, 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 I'm putting my headphones back on. He's not. I'm not. Li- I'm not listening to him. <laughs> the, the, I'm, putting, the I'm putting the headphones back on. I'm putting. I'm, put, Shemar, I'm putting the headphones back on. I'm putting on the Kid Cudi album back on. Like, that ain't gonna do it for me. <laughs> the Natty ring I got from last year is gonna get me amped. Stetson Bennett isn't gonna get me amped. Bryce Young would get me amped. You know, but Stetson Bennett isn't gonna get me amped. You know, so they're gonna. And this team is gonna need something like that. They're gonna need someone like that to to win again and they i don't think they have it um at at the quarterback position so i think that's i think they're going to take significant setbacks and, and i think the sec is better this year as well i think florida's going to be better i think Kentucky's going to be better i think i think tennessee might is going to be better i think a lot of these teams are just going to be better mm-hmm. it's going to be much more competitive so 
I think, uh, you know, I definitely think Georgia's going to take a step back. Yeah, I'm really curious to see with Georgia if this is more of a 2019 LSU flash in the pan where um, a surprising collection of an all-star team just runs through everybody and then we never see that kind of production ever again from that regime. Or is Georgia really setting itself up to be a true sustained power that can rival the likes of an Alabama, similar to what Clemson has been maybe prior to last year? Uh, Bennett is a nice player. I don't think that uh, he is a star. And I think Georgia is in a bit of a rude awakening this year, having to lean on him more than they did last year. Look, the defense mm-hmm. lost eight guys. And that is not nothing. We can when you name off the names they lost. You're talking about uh, the Kobe Dean scene, uh, Trayvon Walker, Jordan Davis. I mean, you're just talking about uh, just studs. But this is a team that has studs still on the roster. I mean, Jalen Carter might be mm-hmm. the best pass rusher in college football, and that's including Will Anderson. Like, that's how good Jalen Carter is. Um, Nolan Smith was the number one overall recruit in 2019 on that defensive line. Mm-hmm. He hasn't really been able to play. He's been putting up numbers because they play in garbage time, but he hasn't even really gotten to play because of the staff and the guys they've had on their roster. He's getting to play. Uh, Keely Ringo, another number one overall recruit. He started at corner last year as a freshman. Now he comes into his sophomore year. So this is a squad that has reloaded on paper. It's just question mm-hmm. marks about whether or not these guys who maybe didn't play as much or have played only a little bit or were kind of relying on their high school billing, can these guys come in and contribute at a high level initially? I think they may take a minor step back because Kirby Smart, as a head coach, hasn't dealt with this kind of turnover. Now, remember, he did deal with this kind of turnover at Alabama where he was a defensive coordinator for a long time where they would have to just reload guys after year after year. So that may help him a little bit. But as a head coach, he's never dealt with this. So there may be a little bit of a setback. But I think they're still the class of the SEC East, the SEC East that is stronger. But I don't think I don't expect a major step back. I think they'll take maybe a minor step back. Maybe they lose one or two games uh, in the regular season. But um, but this is still a, a strong Georgia team and a team I would expect to be um in Atlanta when it's all said and done uh, for the SEC championship game. But that uh that mm. brings us to our picks for the SEC, and this is what we're gonna do every conference. We're gonna go through the conference. We're gonna do uh the team that will win the conference. We'll give you each a player to watch, and we will give you a team that will surprise in the conference for each team. So let's start with uh, the SEC. So I'll go first here. I will say Alabama wins the SEC. Um, I think Alabama, at the end of the day, just has too much talent. They have too much great coaching uh, to at least not win the conference. We'll talk about what happens in the college football playoff, but I think there is a tendency to want to put A&M and Georgia on their level this year. And I think those schools are probably a year away from being on Alabama's level and seeing them eye to eye again. Uh, and a player to look out for that, that you know, I'm not going to mention in a couple of minutes when we do player to watch. But this kid, uh, Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech that transferred in the running back. All I've been hearing all off seasons about how electric this guy is. Um, I, I didn't watch much Georgia Tech last year, even though they do play in my team's conference, the ACC. So I'm not as familiar with Jameer Gibbs yeah, other than. Other than just the stuff I've seen online, but everyone from if, if people from Alabama who if they've seen the likes of Najee Harris, they've seen Derrick Henry. I mean, they've seen some great running backs. They keep saying, "Yo, this guy is the next one." That I'm just gonna believe him. I'm just gonna believe him at face value. I'm not yeah. gonna even and question. Saban it. went out and got. Yeah, and Saban went out and said that guy from Georgia Tech is the next one. So if they believe in this kid that much, then I'm in. 
all right, fine, I'm in. Jameer Gibbs is is him, and he's going to be a guy to pay attention to this year. And when I think about the fact that they have Bryce Young already, and now they may have now a, st- a star running back, something you may you could argue maybe they didn't really have last year. I know Brian Robinson was a good player. I don't know if he was a superstar. If this kid Gibbs is as electric as they say he is, I don't. I mean, I don't know how you stopped him. So yeah, I got Alabama winning the conference fairly easily here. What about you? Um, yeah, I have the same. I have Alabama winning the conference. Um, and like you, I don't have it particularly close. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they just they just have too much talent. <laughs> you know, they have the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, which is enough for a lot of teams. But I mean, on the Alabama team like this. You know, unless like you like you were saying before, we get some kind of Tua situation, some crazy injury that happens to some a key player. I mean, I don't see this team not winning most, if not all, of the games leading up to the SEC championship. So, um, so yeah, I I definitely see Alabama uh, taking the taking the conference. I, I'm not someone who like neither of us have even mentioned Texas A&M. I don't think I'm not sure if they will be mentioned in the segment, but. Real quickly, is do you believe at all in this Texas A&M hype? I mean, they're ranked in the top, what five or six in in the in the in the AP and coaches poll. I don't really, I don't get it personally. Like I know they had they've had some amazing recruiting classes the last two years, but these kids are still really young, and I still don't know who's playing quarterback and if the guy's any good. Like I'm, I'm just I can't buy into Texas A&M purely just off of recruiting stars. Yeah, I mean, I we'll see. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how these guys are. Yeah, but, but I, but I, uh, you know, I'm kind of the same. I, I mean, I, I, I'm sure they'll get a lot of they'll they'll uh, you know generate a lot of good games. Maybe it'll probably get some upsets similar to last year. But yeah, they beat Alabama last year. They beat Alabama, so you know. But I'm not seeing them as uh, as a real contender yet. I, I kind of I see them in the mix. They're in the mix like all these other SEC teams. Um, so that's kind of how it's seen right now. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. I do. I am curious how uh, Haynes King does at quarterback. He was a guy they wanted to play last year, and they couldn't because he got hurt. And um, mm-hmm. I'm curious to see if he is the guy that they think he is. Okay, so let's go to player to watch in the SEC. I'm going to go with Hendon Hooker, quarterback at Tennessee. There is a lot of excitement in Rocky Top because Tennessee has finally made it to the 21st century when it comes to offensive football. Like, when I think of <laughs> the offensive football we've seen from Tennessee for the last 15 years, it's been just grotesque for the most part. And it's not like they haven't had some talented guys come through there. They have. It's just, as an offensive team, they've been just awful. And that's maybe to be expected now with this better offensive play with Josh Heupel. Um, uh, he's got them going up and down the field. They really can't stop nobody on defense. That's something I have to worry about. But if they're going to have the, the success that they – expect to have this season it's going to be on the back of Hendon Hooker at QB um I think that Mm -hmm. there's hope in Tennessee that they could maybe win a surprise nine or ten wins this year if things break right if that's going to happen Hooker is going to have to repeat last year's performance of not turning the ball over he only threw three interceptions last year to 31 touchdowns that's an exceptional that's almost like a I almost was a typo when I read that Uh, that's a ridiculous ratio so if, if he continues to play at a high level um, they're in a division that is, I, I agree with Sham, much more competitive than it's been in year past. But uh, there's excitement in, in Rocky Top, and if they do play well, it's going to be Hooker leading them. So I think he's a player to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, 
I, I, I also agree with you. I think he's also going to be a player to watch. I watched, um, I actually, I, I actually watched several Tennessee games last year, and and he got he got a, a good amount of run. They were kind of flipping back and forth between who they who they were playing at quarterback. Um, but I mean, he's definitely talented, <laughs> so he'll definitely be someone to watch for sure. Um, yeah, I have Anthony Richardson as a quarterback. Uh, he's a quarterback at Florida, who I, of course I mentioned earlier. Um, I mean, he's he's according to a lot of experts, he's already on Heisman watch. So, you know, we barely seen him. You know, it's, it's <laughs> I'll be honest, Jamie, it's weird to me. I and mean, you know that situation better than I do, being right. a Florida fan. But for a guy who we've seen so little, and I know the physical tools are out of this world, <laughs> but it's just we've right. barely seen this guy play really. And when he's played, he's looked okay. Again, like yeah. it's not like he's lit the world on fire, but. People, but are, yeah. people are projecting no, him top there's a lot of, there's a lot of excitement draft. around this kid. Yeah, it, the hype is like out of this world to the point where I hope he's not listening to it. I hope he's just had. I hope he's just in a tunnel, got tunnel vision, just focus and work on his game, work on you know decision making, etc. Because um, it's not like he did. He went with. He didn't make any mistakes last year. He made plenty of mistakes, but I mean, he was you know a freshman. He was just a young player. Um, but, but. The ups it's just the upside that you saw last year was through the roof. You're just like, oh my god, some of the plays that he made last year. Um, I just keep saying Cam, you know, just just reminiscent of Cam, and it's just like these. If he can do that, if he can make those plays that he was making last year on a regular basis this year, he's almost a shoe in to at least be a Heisman candidate, like a finalist. And he'll almost certainly be a top ten pick in the draft if he if he reaches that potential that we saw last year. So he's my player to watch. All right, now let's get to team that will surprise. I'm going with Kentucky. Uh, I think that maybe this isn't so much of a surprise. Some people, cause I know some people like Kentucky more than others, and they did win ten games last year, but. Some of their losses, when you think of at wide receiver particularly, Wondell Robinson was not with the Giants, was an exceptional mm-hmm. player for them. Um, their defense, they've lost some guys as well. Uh, some mm-hmm. people aren't as high on Kentucky as maybe they should be. I think they've been the team like a lot of people looked at and said, this team is overrated. Uh, I'm going to hold off on that. I feel like they had won a stellar backfield when you look at the quarterback, Will yes. Levis, who's an NFL, potential NFL draft pick kind of player. Chris Rodriguez may be the most underrated player in the conference at running back. <laughs> And uh, Rich Scrangrello, he's their new offensive coordinator. He comes from the 49ers. He was their quarterback coach last year. He actually had multiple stints with the 49ers. They're expected to run more of a Kyle Shanahan-style offense this year, which I think is smart because their wide receivers are very inexperienced. So I think you'll see them lean more on the running game, play more of a physical brand of football, which honestly probably fits more with Mark Stoops' personality anyway. And uh, I think they'll lean more on that and rely more on their defense, which is inexperienced but has a ton of talent. And and I say inexperienced is really inexperienced only in certain parts. The linebacking core has guys who are in their sixth year. All three of them are six-year guys. They're all extra players, including, including Jacquez Jones, who uh, led them in tackling last year. Uh, they're one of their safeties is another six-year guy. It's just the line and the corners are all new. But honestly – They've had some of the best recruiting classes Kentucky's ever had for the last two, three years. It's put up a shut-up time. Like, those guys that haven't played, like, all right, like, you were a four-star and a five-star for a reason. Like, you should be able to dominate and play well when you're in your third year. So I'm going to say those guys play up to those stars. I'm going to say the 
the experience in the key places keeps Kentucky afloat, and they could get another nine or ten win season. Okay. And also, just to note, Will Levis is another guy that's people are saying, oh, Heisman Trophy candidate, right. yeah. top ten pick. He's another one. Um, <laughs> people are really projecting yeah. very high, higher than I even. Uh, He's got some natural tools. He turns the ball over a lot, though. That worries me a little bit. He had like 13 interceptions. Actually, that's too much. Yeah, he's got to work on his decision making, but you do see the upside there. Yeah. Uh, so if he can kind of just work on that, he's another one that will be end up being a very high pick in the draft as well. Um, uh, but yeah, I have Florida. You know, which of you know, <laughs> all Florida, I, everything I, in the SEC no surprise. conversation. <laughs> no, no surprise to anybody. Um, but they're a team that will surprise. They're they're they are. Uh, this team is being and. Almost purely because they were snubbed out of the top 25. It doesn't make any sense to me. We're going to be a top 25 team this year. There's really almost no doubt in my mind, unless Anthony Richardson is just bad, which I don't think that's going to happen. The team has the talent to be a top 25 team this year. So I think Florida is definitely a team. For me, that's going to surprise. Okay, man. Shamari, really bullish on the Florida Gators. Why ain't no way, boy? (laughs) That's all I throw it in there. Um, Let's let's go to the Big Ten here. So, uh... Big Ten, Ohio State, Michigan. You know that's always going to be the story of this uh, of this conference, and um, it will continue to be in on the field. Now there were a lot of headlines around this conference that didn't involve those two schools, but that was mostly kind of off the field stuff, or at least future stuff, because you got USC and UCLA agreeing to join the conference in 2024, and that kind of leading to what we all think will pro- maybe be the destruction of conferences as we know it and maybe the ncaa as we know it but that's more for a future conversation we're talking about this season and the conversation around ohio state and michigan is always going to be fascinating especially now that uh, michigan ended its eight game losing streak against ohio state beating them in a snowy uh ann arbor uh last year to win the big 10 title um earn a birth at the college football playoff of course they beat ohio state to go to the big 10 title game and then uh won the title to go to the college football playoff but uh, this year, uh, right now, Ohio State ranked ahead of Michigan in pretty much all rankings and projections. So, Sham, is that the right call in your eyes? Hmm. Um, to me, it is, uh, personally. I just, um, you know, I think just, I think they, the people making the rankings watched the Rose Bowl last year. I think the people making the rankings looked at the depth chart of Ohio State's offense and defense, but primarily their offense, and said that Michigan ain't going to beat this team. And, and uh, you know, they made the rankings based on that, and I can't disagree with them, you know, which, again, we'll get to in just a moment. Yeah. No, I can't, I can't disagree with that either. I think that it's funny. We'll talk about Ohio State in a minute, but I just feel like, to me, doesn't it feel like, these two teams had just polar opposite off seasons and not like in the way you may have expected considering how their seasons ended with Michigan beating them. Like, let's think about this. Like uh, in Columbus, mm-hmm. it was all business, no distractions, no major question marks, just all about ball. Think about what's been happening in Ann Arbor. It was yeah. a coach looking to coach for the Vikings. Yeah. It was the coach looking to be a pro-life fundraiser. It was the coach now saying we got two starting quarterbacks. It's been just kind of chaos. And I know Harbaugh kind of operates 
in chaos. He's kind of comfortable in chaos. But I think coming off of such a great season, and I, I know they got blasted by Georgia. I, that doesn't. I don't care about that. That to me, that still was a great season, legitimately for Michigan, especially after what they had been through. To go through that and then have this off season, I just don't feel good about where Michigan is headed. That season, the more and more I think about it, it just that win at uh, at Michigan Stadium. That feels like it was six years ago. Like, I know it was only last season. I know it was technically only, like, like eight or nine months ago. But all the crap that's been happening in Michigan since then, it just feels like it was ten years ago. And I think that when we see these teams take the field this season, it will look like that was a game that was ten years ago. So I don't know. I, I have no surprise that Ohio State is ranked ahead of them. But I think with the way just the trajectory of both of these teams. It seems like one team is going up and one team is going down. And considering how those teams looked when they played each other, I would have not thought it would have looked this way. But that's how it looks right now. And it's uh it's really weird. Yeah, yeah, it's very it's it's very strange and it's not good for Michigan cuz Ohio I, I guarantee you they remember that game. Ohio State remembers that game last year. You know, and they're going to be coming determined this year to make sure that does not happen. Um there was, you know, uh, and of course, there were other elements that played a factor. Um, it's very hard going into Michigan and beating them there like that. It's very, and they were playing in very bad weather as well. Oh yeah, it was like a movie. Like why that game? That game was like it a was, movie. It was kind of, it was kind of a crazy atmosphere. Yeah. If the atmosphere ain't like that, if it's not, it ain't like that this year, it's going. And these and these players, <laughs> with the with the people they have on this team, capable of doing what they're doing, coming off of that Rose Bowl game, they know what they're capable of now. It's not even like they don't know. It's not like yeah. they don't know what they're capable of. They know what they're capable of now. And it's been all off season preparing for this matchup. Uh, it's it's hard for me to see this going good for Michigan, but I mean we'll see what happens. Yeah, you just got the impression last year that like Maurice Claret. And Jim Tressel could have tried out there for Ohio State, and they weren't going to win that game. That's just the impression you got. Just what that atmosphere was. Even Hutchinson how, wasn't going to let that. Yeah, just how insane Hutchinson and Ojobo were off the edge <laughs> that entire game, every snap. It was just nobody was beating that team that day. Um, so when we talk about winning this conference, I'm going with Ohio State. The offense is absurd. Uh, C.J. Stroud started out a little slow uh, last year, but he really seemed to figure it out as the year went on. I think he also got healthier. As the year went on, um, and I mean, when he looks at when you look at just that team, it's scary. One, it feels like last year they at times didn't play up to their expectations or play up to their talent. I think a lot of that was a learning experience. Now you come into this year with Stroud, Travion Henderson, one of the best running backs in the NFL. That's a sick backfield, and then you look at your receivers. And you got Jackson Smith, Enigma, uh, and Marvin Harrison Jr. Again, sick. Wide receiving core. Mm-hmm. Um, offensive line, I know they did not look good against Michigan. But, again, they were playing against just maniacs in that game. They have a really strong offensive line that so they're going to protect really well this season. And one of the more underrated moves this year, Jim Knowles, former defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State. He led Oklahoma State to having the best defense in college football last year. People kept thinking it was Georgia. Statistically, technically, it was Oklahoma State. He is now the defensive coordinator at Ohio State. That defense was terrible last year. I do mm-hmm. not expect them to look as soft and as lost as they looked for much of that season. A better Ohio State defense plus that offense, they're going to run away with this conference. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty much in the same boat as you, EJ. I'm thinking Ohio State. Um, I don't think it's going to be very close. It's just, it's just my opinion. Like I said at the top of the show, I feel like this offense is going to be a special offense. It's going to be just one of those offenses, similar to the Georgia defense last year. I think it's going to be one of those offenses, those LSU, Joe Burrow, those, you know, Reggie Bush. It's going to be one of those offenses where, like, this offense was a show every week. <laughs> I think this is going to be one of those years for Ohio State. And just one of those years, uh, one of those special teams in college football, um, I think this is this is going to be that. That's that's you know if there was any kind of you know bold prediction that that's what I what I foresee. I think Ohio State's going to run away with this conference. They were first in the nation in scoring last year at forty five points per game. They were first in uh, total yards at five hundred and sixty one per game. Third in passing, uh, three hundred eighty nine yards per game. And I think they may smash all those numbers I just said. So, uh, yeah, they are, to me, definitely Mm -hmm. the uh, team to beat and the team I think will will win this conference. When we look at uh, the the player to watch, I'm going with Braylon Allen. Uh, I'm not sure a lot of people have been paying attention to Wisconsin. And understandably, because I think that Wisconsin hasn't necessarily looked like a championship caliber team or – a conference championship caliber team the last year or so. but uh, And I also think that there's a little bit of a ho-hum approach to Wisconsin running backs because they're great every year. I don't know why that is because they're also great in the NFL, so I feel like we should probably take these guys way more seriously. I think there's this thought that, oh, well, they got those big offensive linemen in the Midwest and anybody can go behind there and run for 1,000 yards, even though, again, it's been like Jonathan Taylor and James White. It's been like <laughs> great <laughs> guys who are great quarter of great uh, – college players that also went on to be great NFL players. But um, this kid, Braylon Allen, he was 17 years old last year as a freshman starting at running back. He ran for 1,200 yards. He was running for nearly seven yards a carry. He's 6'3", he's 240, and he's growing. Again, he's now 18 years old this season. He won't turn 19 until January. So they have a 19, they have an 18-year-old sophomore who's coming off a 1,200-yard season, and I don't hear anybody talking about him. He's one of the biggest stories and best stories in college football. Braylon Allen, player you should pay attention to this year in the Big Ten. Hmm. All right. I mean, I, I mean, I think that's going to be that's going to be an interesting one to watch, EJ. Um, yeah, I have uh, Muhammad Ibrahim uh, from Minnesota. Nice that's a nice pick as a, the person to watch um, this year. He had, you know, just one of the one of the most sad injuries you to see last year uh when he just he, he just popped his achilles just right in front of everybody yeah every you could just watch it and just see he popped his achilles in the replay last year after having a, a starting out with a, a great game was that against ohio state i think that was against ohio state i think you uh let me see uh yeah it was ohio state yeah yeah he was lighting it up he was dish he was destroying them single-handedly yeah. yeah it was one of the most one of the most one of the more impressive running back performances I've seen in college football um, up there with a lot of Kenneth Walker's games last year as well. Um, he was looking like, wow, wow, this guy is is uh, probably going to the NFL. I was yeah, he had, like, yeah he, had he had 163 yards in that game. Yeah. And two touchdowns. So, yeah, so he was going off. And it was he was clearly the engine running that team. And then he was just gone. And it was just very sad to see. I think he's going to be a player to watch for sure this year. I think if he doesn't get injured, he is, 
he's going to shock a lot of people, um, cause a lot of havoc in the Big Ten, and he's going to be the, the player to watch in Minnesota for every team uh, playing them every week. So that's, that's I think he's the guy to watch. And it's a perfect segue to the team that I think that will surprise this year, and I have the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, the Gophers quietly had a strong season despite Ibrahim's injury. Um, they had one of the best defenses in all of football. As Sharani mentioned, a lot of people forget that Muhammad Ibrahim did not play pretty much all of last season because of that Achilles tear. But he's an absolute stud at running back. Tanner Morgan, uh, the quarterback, he should play better this year. Mm-hmm. They rehired uh, Kirk uh, Ciaraco. Ciaraco. He was the OC for Minnesota when they won 11 games back in 2019. He left. They had a new OC. They could not throw the ball at all last year. And that was really the only thing that was keeping them from having a better season. When uh, Ciaraco was the OC, Morgan threw 30 touchdowns that year. So I think Morgan in a fifth-year senior season has a very strong season. He's a, very, he's a veteran player. He's been around forever. He's been starting pretty much since his, like, his freshman or sophomore year. Um, Ohio State and Michigan are also not on Minnesota's schedule this year. So that's a break for them. I think that they make some noise in this Big Ten. Watch out for Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with that either. I mean, I think Minnesota is definitely going to be a team to watch. Um, yeah, I actually have Illinois. Uh, wow, that's as, a surprise uh, one. Okay. Yeah, uh, I watched a, a good chunk of their game because they actually played last week. Yeah. Um, I watched a good chunk of their game, and they, uh, st- I think they, they pretty much just stepped. They just stepped all over uh, Wyoming. Yeah, playing last week, Wyoming. Yeah. Or last last week, they were they basically destroyed them. Um, now of course it's Wyoming, but just seeing the players they had and, and um, how they were really running like a well well oiled machine. Um, their quarterback was pretty impressive, uh, uh, Devito. Yeah. Um. So, uh. So he so he's looking pretty good. They have a good running game as well. So I'm I'm gonna be looking at Illinois. I mean, they got some guys uh, that can play. They, they, I think they could put up some points for sure. I, I, it looked to me like an offense that could definitely put up some points mm-hmm. if, if they catch a defense sleeping. Yeah. So which a lot they which defenses are going to just because they're Illinois, and I think that's gonna be a mistake. So I think they're gonna be a team to watch. Yeah, I mean, I was a little surprised that they just ran roughshod over Wyoming the way they did. I think that yeah. there were not a lot of good matchups last week in Week Zero. I think everybody was obviously circling that conference matchup between Northwestern and Nebraska. But like the Illinois Wyoming was the one that was kind of like, okay, that that could be competitive. Let, let's see how that one went. And it was like you said, they just they just ran all over them. And uh, Chase Brown, the running back, had uh, 150 yards and three touchdowns. Yep. And like you said, Devito was really accurate with the ball. So. Yeah, I, I think that Illinois, they had a really interesting win last year against Penn State. I don't know if you remember that game when, like, they, yes, had, they were doing yep. the stupid overtime thing. and yeah, They had yeah. to go for two. That was insane. And Illinois finally way to win that game. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be paying attention to, to Illinois this year as well. So uh, let's now move to the conference that I follow closely, uh, the ACC. Um, so we come into this conference uh, with some Mitri, honestly. Uh, Clemson is looking to bounce back after a subpar year, though that year did include winning 10 games in the season. They did not appear appear in the ACC title game for the first time since 2014. Now, Pitt are the reigning champs, and there is still optimism around Pittsburgh, despite the fact that they lost Kenny Pickett to the NFL. He was a Heisman Trophy finalist. They lost Belitnikoff, wide receiver of the year award winner, Jordan Addison to the portal. He's at USC. And offensive coordinator Mark Whipple, 
is now at Nebraska, which if you were watching that game last night, uh, last week, you saw that he was coaching uh, uh, at Nebraska, where he's the OC there. Meanwhile, uh, the U, my beloved Miami Hurricanes, hope to return to its glory days by bringing former alum uh, Mario Cristobal as their head coach. And then there are upstart teams like NC State and Wake Forest looking to show that last season's success was not a fluke. So let's start quickly with Clemson, Sham. Uh, There's a lot of talk and concern that we could be seeing the decline of a great program with some of the departures we've seen there. How do you see it with Clemson? Do you feel like they're on the decline, or are you still feeling like Dabo's going to have that ship running strong for a while? Um, I think Clemson is going to bounce back uh, this year. That that's going to be my my, and I don't even think that's a bold prediction, but I I do I do see them bouncing back. I think they had guys last year, but they were young, and DJ was just like a deer in headlights. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I I would expect, um, I, I personally I would expect DJ to have a better year. I don't think he's going to. I think he's going to look at the tape, and it's very clear. The tape is just going to be very clear. It's like you have to move. You know, he can't right. be a statue in the, in the pocket. Yeah. If he does that, he's a big guy. He's he's mobile. He's able to run. He's able to get yardage that way. But but he has to avoid getting sacked, and he has to fix his decision-making. If he's able to do that, uh, I think Clemson's going to win a lot of games. So I don't see them um, – I don't see them doing too – doing very poorly this year i see that definitely see them bouncing back maybe not quite to the trevor lawrence etn mm-hmm. um you know kind of level but yeah. i i definitely see them bouncing back yeah i mean to me this is an important year for clemson uh there is an attitude in sports sham that if you're not changing you're getting worse uh right. and clemson has had a good thing going for a long time with brent venables running the defense as a defensive coordinator and Tony Elliott running the offense as the offensive coordinator. But mm-hmm. last year was kind of a mess, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And now those guys are gone. I think the more Dabo Sweeney opens his mouth, whether it be about NIL, whether it be about transfers, whether it be about any other stuff outside of football, he just sounds more and more out of touch. So this year is going to be very curious because I think that he's going to have to do a lot more coaching. He's going to have to do a lot more hand-holding than he's had to do in the past. That could be a good thing, but when I hear him talk, he just doesn't sound like a guy that's ready to rise up to the challenge that he is facing. And when I think about college sports particularly, when we're in the midst of great college football runs or even college basketball as well, there's a feeling that these runs are going to last forever. And they don't. And we don't. We usually don't realize they don't last forever until they, they just don't, until they end. And really only saving Alabama has uh, lasted uh, indefinitely regarding his run at the top. I do think we are seeing the beginning of a Clemson decline. I don't know necessarily feel like Clemson is maybe going to fall off a mm-hmm. cliff or anything like that, but I would be surprised if Clemson won another national championship. Mm-hmm. I think that that's that's where I would say where Clemson is at right now. I just don't I just don't believe in the coach and his ability to adapt to what's going on. Now he he had no choice to adapt because his OC and DC got new jobs, but when I hear him talk about his unwillingness to adapt, it just makes me think that he's not ready for prime time. Um, but with that being said, Sham, who was your pick to win the ACC this year? Uh, my pick is actually Clemson. Okay. You know, so, I mean, I think that says it right there. I do think Clemson is going to bounce back. I think they are going to have a good year. 
Um, and I think they will end up winning the conference. Um, now, I don't know how um, competitive the conference will be, which is not, which is no, um, I mean, that's, that's not anything new or different for the ACC, right. uh, especially as of late. Um, but I do think they're going to win the conference. You know, I think they have great players. I think they have, um, you know, I, I think they have um, a good program. And I think their players are going to be, are, I think they're going to have that chip on their shoulder. And and they and they, there aren't a million eyes on them, which I think helps as well. I think that's going to help a lot. I think it's going to really help them kind of just focus on, yeah. they're not just going to be all over ESPN, everyone's talking true. about them all the time. They're going to be like, point. no, like, Dabo can go in and say, we're going to work on football today, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and that's all they're going to do, you know, because they have to go back to the drawing board. And, and I think they're going to do that. I think they're going to end up winning the conference. I think I think that is, is actually an excellent point for Clemson. They they have very much been one of the flagship programs of college football for the last five to seven years. So mm-hmm. they have been in the spotlight. They've had a lot of the primetime games. Like we've had a lot of game days showing up, uh, showing up in Death Valley. Like like they have been in the spotlight. And despite the fact that they are, I think number four in the country coming into this year. That is just not the case this year. The, the, the program for a team that's still ranked in the top five seems to have no juice. But that I do agree that actually might be a bonus. Like it, At times, you may look at that and say, oh, that's actually a detriment. Like, But I think maybe the, the, the block was getting too hot for Clemson, quite frankly. And and maybe you're, mm-hmm. you're right in that like not having that spotlight on them will actually help them because it will allow them to focus and not worry so much about the outside noise. So I think that's a very interesting point, even though I do disagree. And I do not have Clemson winning the conference this year. Uh, I have NC State winning the conference. This is probably one of the more bolder picks of these conference mm-hmm. picks we have here. Now, look, uh, if I say Clemson's declining, I have to put my money where my month, mouth is, right? So uh, it's hard to say they're declining, declining say, so yeah, but they're still with the conference. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I trust NC State's Den, uh, Dennis Leary, their quarterback, more than I do uh, DJ. I, I think that NC mm-hmm. State's O-line is still elite, despite the fact that they lost. It can... Uh, Iguanu to the NFL. Uh, and the Wolfpack's defense returns 10 starters. And it was a defense that was really good last year. They only had two bad games, and it wasn't against Clemson, by the way. They beat Clemson, and they pretty much locked up Clemson. The only two games they had that were bad were Wake Forest, who was scoring 50 on everybody, and Miami, when uh, Tyler Van Dyke seemed to figure it out, and he just was on fire. Uh, besides that, they played great, and those were the, probably the two best quarterbacks, uh, Van Dyke and Sam Hartman, that they played all season that they will play maybe this season. So I uh, – actually, I don't, I don't – yeah, they do have Miami schedule. I want to make sure. So well, actually, no, I don't think they have Miami on the schedule this year. But they were definitely the two best quarterbacks they played last year. So I, I, I think that, look, Clemson will be able to run the ball for sure. Uh, their defensive line is just insane. Uh, uh, Miles Murphy, Brees, uh, Brian Brees, I mean – they have a great defensive line. If they do win the conference, it's going to be on that. But I think at the end of the day, NC State has a slightly more balanced team across the starting 22. And I think they'll slightly edge Clemson to win the ACC title. They'll win that conference, the Atlantic Conference. I think they'll beat Miami in the final uh, for the uh, conference championship. Interesting. All right. I mean, I see NC State is a very good team. Um, you know, I... I um, I actually think they're they're 
maybe even a little overrated. I think they're they're pretty high on the top twenty five, right? Are they yeah, in the top? Yeah, 10? yeah, yeah. They're uh, I think they're uh, they're right out. I think they're top fifteen, I believe. Okay. All right. All right. So maybe not. I was gonna say if they're the top ten, I think that may be a little high. But but they're but yeah, they're a very good team. So they're definitely gonna be a team to watch. Sure. Yeah, NC State ranked number thirteen in the AP poll and the coaches okay. poll. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they're 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 a team to me to watch for sure. Uh, what do you got now for the player to watch in the ACC? Uh, for the player to watch, I have quarterback Drake May from North Interesting. Carolina. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. So so this is this is is kind of a kind of a uh, I don't know if this is a reactionary pick, but he's another one that had a great game this past week. Um, now, of course, he played against uh, um, Florida A&M. So, of right. course, take that take that for what it is. <laughs> the FAMU um, Rattlers. Yeah, shout out, yeah, shout out to FAMU. But, yeah. um, so, but he had a great game. And North Carolina is a team that also has got some guys, right? I mean, they got some guys as well at receiver, and they have some good skill players. Yeah, Josh, I mean, Josh um, Downs is one of the best receivers in all college football. Yeah, Josh Downs is is a, he's going to the NFL. He's another guy. <laughs> he's going to the NFL. Yeah, he's going to be one of these guys that was like, okay, what team is going to snatch him up? So they're going to get they're going to he. I think he's going to put up stupid numbers this year. That's mm-hmm. kind of my prediction. He's going to be kind of a not a, not a howl acolyte necessarily, but he's he's going to put up great numbers. Like the numbers are going to make people pay attention and say what's going on at North Carolina. Um, um, even if, you know, the team isn't necessarily winning every game, he's going to be putting up numbers in most games. So that's, I, I think he's definitely going to be a player to watch. Yeah. And I, sometimes, sometimes we fall so in love with guys that have been the quarterback for a long time at a certain place that like, we just assume that like, as soon as that guy leaves, things are going to fall apart. Yeah. But sometimes that's not the case. And we, you know, Oklahoma showed that for sure. I mean, they had like three straight guys that were hiding trophy finalists that were all transfers like um drake may is a guy who was a, a top 50 kind of player coming out of high school he was a big recruit when they he got him so right he's been a mind Howell, who of course you know we know all about how and you know people think he could win heisman people think he could be a top pick so he wasn't gonna play in front of him but um but he he was a highly touted player and now he's in his redshirt freshman year so he had big first game against uh famu he does have weapons as char already mentioned both his starting receivers are back so Interesting the team to watch for sure. When it comes to player to watch, uh, for me, I got to go with my guy, Tyler Van Dyke, right? I got to go with Tyler Van Dyke. So, look, Van Dyke's trajectory to this potential top 10 NFL pick has been quite surreal for somebody who's been paying attention to Miami very closely like I do. So, last season, he came into training camp. He was battling for the number two spot behind De'Aaron King. And quite frankly, I felt like there was a lot of momentum going against him to win the number two spot. I think that a lot of people were thinking Jake Garcia would eventually be the number two quarterback. He is this all-world, another top 50-type recruit kind of player. And in the spring game and in some of the training camp stuff, it just seemed like Jake Garcia was showing more than Van Dyke was. So then King goes down because he was playing when he shouldn't have been. He was clearly not ready to play. He was hurt coming off ACL injury. And Van Dyke and Garcia get a crack at the job. They play against Central Connecticut State. Both of them put up stupid numbers against a team that probably is like a Division Two, Division Three caliber team. But Garcia gets hurt in the game. So now there is no doubt about who the quarterback is. It's going to be Van Dyke for the rest of the season. Van Dyke struggles against Virginia, struggles against North Carolina, both of those losses. And I think a lot of people didn't know Van Dyke would be on the, be the, be on the team next year. 
And then he rattles off six straight 300-yard games. He has huge performances against Pitt, beats Kenny Pickett, huge performance against NC State, beats Dennis Leary, and just all of a sudden, the Tyler Van Dimes nickname is born. <laughs> it's It was just crazy to see. And, and, and we come into the season now, we talk about, again, uh, potential for the Heisman. It, could he be a top <laughs> 10 pick? It's just crazy when I think of where he was in training camp and spring practice last year when I was like, he's going to be the number three quarterback, and I don't think he's going to be here because he's not a guy who was recruited to be a number three quarterback. So I, I think that it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, he's going to have better O-line play this year. But he did have some very seasoned wide receivers. You know, Charleston Rambo, you know, didn't get drafted, but was a thousand yard receiver. Mike Harley was a six year guy. He doesn't have those kind of guys anymore. Now he's dealing with guys who are younger players. Uh, Xavier Zerstrepo is a guy who has good he has good chemistry with, but is a younger player. Keyshawn Smith, a freak athlete, but a younger player. Um, I'll be interested to see if. Working with this younger group, along with a new offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis, who came over from Michigan, if Van Dyke's the kind of player that can lift up others. I think in some ways he played up to the guys that were around him last year. I'm interested to see if he can now lift the other guys to play up to his level. I think he's a fascinating guy to watch this year. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he's able to do um, with this, I guess, new reformed Miami team. Yeah. Uh, we're we're gonna see if he can if he can live up to the pressure. Yeah. What do you got for team that will surprise? Um. So for the team I sur- that will surprise, I have Clemson. So yeah. You know, of course, I talked about Clemson before. Um. So I think on top of everything else I said, I think a lot of people are also underrating Clemson, even though I believe they're still ranked in the top five. Um. Um. I I I think people are still. I think I think most people just that I see are, are thinking they're just going to drop like a rock out of that top five and then out of the top 25. <laughs> right, yeah. Similar to what they did last year. Yeah. Um, yeah they are I definitely a team that they are definitely the team in that top four that most people are saying will not be there. Yeah. By the time the yeah, playoffs people, are there. Yeah. People are saying no, Clemson, Clemson is going to go someplace else. They're just going right. to drop. DJ is going to freeze up. He's going to get sacked and people aren't going to be scared of Clemson anymore. I don't think that's going to happen. I think I think they're gonna drop, but not like a rock. I don't think it's gonna be like last year. I think they're gonna still be very competitive. Um, uh, the ACC is more competitive than it has been in year, years past, and I think Clemson will a hundred percent be in that mix, and um, they will be. Um, and I think they will have some of the better players in the nation as well. I think Shipley's gonna. I think Shipley's a star. I think he's a stud. I think he's yeah. going to have another a standout year as well, you know. Mentioned with people like Ibrahim and others, he's going to be another one where people are going to be like, "Whoa!" So I, I think Clemson is going to going to have another great year as well. Yeah, it seemed like even despite Clemson's struggles, Shipley was a guy that just always seemed to flash when yeah. I watched him play. Um, for me, a surprise team. This is a little bit off the beaten path, I think, for some people. But I'm going to go with Boston College. Uh, look, Boston College only won two games in the ACC last year, so. <laughs> You're starting really from ground zero. But they were really competitive against Clemson. They should have beat Clemson last year, quite frankly. That was like the first sign that Clemson was not Clemson last year when Boston College was up at halftime against them last season. Uh, they almost beat Florida State as well. Uh, and they did that with a non-existent passing game. Uh, QB Pat Dracovich showed flashes last year, and I think he'll be a lot better this year because the team is going to be moving away from a pure 
pro-style offense to a system that is going to be a little more akin to his dual threat abilities. There'll be more spread in the offense. There will be some NFL concepts, but there'll be more RPO kind of stuff. And I think with his athleticism, that should work really well with that system. And I think the change will also help their running back. Uh, Pat Garwell III, he ran for 1,000-plus yards last year. So they have a 1,000-yard running back. They have a quarterback who has some wheels. And their defense, kind of surprising, but was really good last year in the ACC. They ranked third in scoring defense, and they were third overall in the country in passing yards allowed. So they have some pieces on defense. They've coached their defense well, and I think that they have a, a quarterback and a running back that should be able to do some damage on the ground. So I'm going to say BC surprised some people. They got seven starters returning on defense. They got uh, no Miami on the schedule, no North Carolina on the schedule, and no Pitt on the schedule because they're in the Atlantic Conference. And those the coastal games they got this year, I, I know one of them is Duke. I think the other one is Virginia Tech, and Virginia Tech is expected to be good this year. So they got a break when it came to the conference uh, alignment as well. So I think that they're in for a good year. I'm going to say uh, BC ends up with eight wins this season, which would be a, a, mm. a pretty big improvement. Uh, from six wins last year and a two and six ACC record. All right, well, we'll have to see. I mean, I, I'm, I am indeed interested to see what they do, um, as well. So that'll be fun to see. Yeah, man. So let's uh let's move to the Big Twelve. So, Big Twelve football, Texas and Oklahoma. They're on borrowed time in the conference. They're moving to the SEC. Right now, the champ is Baylor, and they're the ones that's being picked to win the conference. Dave. Aranda has quickly turned around the Bears in just two seasons. Uh, and they won the conference last year, and they won the Sugar Bowl last year. Uh, meanwhile, Oklahoma, they're trying to still pick up the pieces from the departures of Lincoln Riley and QB Caleb Williams. Both of those guys going to USC. USC. And Texas is coming off of a five-win season with uh, Steve Sarkeesian in his first year, and they lost six of his last seven games. So I want to start the conversation with Texas before we get to our picks. Do you feel more or less confident uh, about the Steve Sarkeesian era of Texas coming off of last season? Are you more or less confident about his ability to bring Texas back to national prominence? Um, I'm more confident. Um, Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely more confident. I I think their offense has a lot of firepower. I think that Texas-Oklahoma game was one of the most fun games I've watched. Um, And I think both of those teams had a lot of talent last year even though I think they both underperformed last year. Um, so, um, and I think Texas is going to be much better this year as well. Um, so I have, high, I have, fair, I, I think what most people would consider high expectations for Texas. So that, so this will be fun to watch. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, to me, I think that there's been a lot of panic around the Steve Sarkeesian era because of how things ended last year. I think that people got to pump the brakes. Uh, last season's collapse after the Red River game was alarming. I agree. You don't want to see your team lose six out of the last seven games. But I think some of the early success they had was a little bit of fool's gold. They were beating up on bad teams. The only team they played that was good during that stretch was Arkansas, and they got spanked. And we didn't even know Arkansas was good at that time. So I think there was probably they were probably a little overrated going into the Oklahoma game. And then when they played so great in that game, people thought, oh, well, Texas maybe is back. I think we all knew this was going to be a three- to four-year project for Sark. Um, I think despite all the losses that mounted up, Texas was very competitive in pretty much every game down that stretch except for the Iowa State game. 
And going to Iowa State's always a nightmare for people. So I, that's not surprising that they got blown out there. Um, that tells me they're not too far off. And, when I, you know, I'm big into the recruiting stars, and I do follow that stuff. The recruiting stars tell me that in a year or two, Texas should be really good. So I'm stressing people in Austin to be patient. I didn't necessarily love the Sark hire, but I'm not tripping off of last season at all. Um, I just think that that was going to be a transition year, and that's ended up being what it was. So when we talk about winning this conference, though, I'll go first. I, I think that we're going to have uh, Baylor win this conference. I don't think that this is a conference that has a playoff contender. So I don't think whoever wins this is winning going to the college football playoff. I guess similar to last season. Uh, and this was a tough pick. Uh, but I think Baylor probably has uh, the more of the things you can count on than the other contenders in the conference. I know I can uh, count on their line play on both sides of the ball. And I do like teams that I feel like can dominate the line of scrimmage. Siaki uh, uh, Ika, who is the uh, uh, nose tackle for Baylor, is an mm-hmm. NFL player. He's one of the most disruptive nose tackles in all college football. He'll be playing on Sundays. And they have an entire defensive line coming back. Their center, Jacob Gall, is also one of the best centers in college football. And he anchors a strong offensive line. So they're going to be a team that can dominate both sides of the ball in terms of the line of scrimmage. And Dave Aranda knows how to coach defense. They'll continue to be a ball control team this year like they were last year. And I actually think that there is more upside for the quarterback play this year with Blake Shapin. I think the guy they had last year was very, very limited. And Chapin has more natural talent. Now, he didn't play as much, but I think he did play in the Sugar Bowl. Um, I, I could be wrong about that. I, I don't, my memory may messed up. But I, when, it, when he got out there, he showed more natural ability than the quarterback that they had last year. So I think with him coming in, they may have more upside in terms of what they could do for as explosive plays on offense. They're a solid team. I think they have less question marks than OU. So I'm going with uh, Baylor. All right, uh, not not a bad pick, EJ. Um, so I, I actually have Oklahoma State okay. um, listed as a team that I have to win the conference. Um, I know they're getting a lot of guys. They're getting guys back from last year, and they surprised me last year. They functioned like a well-oiled machine last Their year. Their defense was insane. Um, so Their defense was absolutely insane last year. Yeah, I mean, very impressive um, what they were able to do. Um, I think if they're able to build off of that momentum from last year, I I would think that for for in my mind I would think that they would actually end up winning the conference. Um, like you said, with no with Oklahoma not really standing in their way, um, I see them as as the as the kind of the team to be for me. It's funny; it feels like a kind of a put up or shut up season for uh, Spencer uh, Sanders. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I believe he's a four year starter there. He's right. At times, look fantastic. Uh, at mm-hmm. times, he's had a little trouble with the turnovers, yep. and it just feels like it feels like Oklahoma State could have been more in some of these years. I mean, last year they were good. I mean, they they won twelve games last year. It just still felt like they could have been better. And I think I I look at Spencer and say that's why. Like if he was a little more consistent, maybe a little better than uh, it lived up to some of that hype that we've had for him. That maybe things will be different. I think this year will be interesting because they lost so many guys on defense. Can he now be the player that rises up and kind of like Tally Van Dyke lifts the other guys around him and not the guy that they have to carry with him. I think that's going to be mm-hmm. an interesting story to follow. I think for a player to watch, I'm going to Texas, but I'm not going to the guy that most people would think 
in Bijan Robinson. I'm going with Xavier Worthy at wide receiver. Shamar, have you seen this kid? Oh, he's this, a he's a star in the making. I mean, this guy, this guy is unbelievable. He was a true freshman last year. He was one of the biggest big play threats in all college football last season. He's great at tracking the ball in the air and going going and getting it. He can uh, take the top off the defense. He's extremely dangerous in the open field. The guy is just a burner. Um, he is slight. He's only 160 pounds, but he is tough, and he's a silky smooth route runner. I think that Sark getting another year with this guy. I expect big things. I, I I am really excited to see Xavier Worthy play. I think he's one of the most exciting players in all college football. He's the guy you want to watch this year. Yeah, I think he's going to put on a clinic uh, <laughs> basically throughout the whole year. Um, uh, so I can't disagree with that. Um, my, I have my player to watch as uh, being Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma. Ah, good pick, yeah. Um, he is a transfer uh, from uh, UCF. UCF, yeah. And uh, I watched a few of their games last year, and he's a guy to watch. Um, I definitely think he is a guy to watch. He's at Oklahoma now. Um, so bigger program, bigger school, bigger expectations. And not that UCF didn't have expectations necessarily. But he but I think that, you know, I, I you know, I think this he's he, I think this is an opportunity for him. And I think if he takes advantage of that, he can really stand out this year. Um, I think he's got the tools. I think he's going to have the weapons. And I, I I think this could be a standout year for him. Okay. I mean, Gabriel is coming from a, a, a really well-coached program. And he's going to a team that is really going to need leadership. I mean, Venables is an unbelievable leader. But mm-hmm. I think that, that whole program just feels like it's kind of still in an aftershock after losing their, you know, what they thought were kind of like their franchise coach and franchise quarterback all in one fell swoop. Uh, Gabriel might be, I think he's kind of the right guy to maybe quote unquote stop the bleeding. I think honestly him and Venables are kind of the guys that can kind of maybe stop the bleeding. It's going to be such a tall task though. Cause that fan base and that program was just devastated and felt betrayed quite frankly, by what happened with right. Riley and Williams. They got to be able to move on from that. And they got some guys to help him. I think Gabriel is uh, definitely the, the kind of leader that maybe could do that. Team that will surprise this year. And I got to be honest, Sham, I was a little upset with myself. I feel like if I had any guts, I would have picked this team to actually win the conference. But my team that will surprise this year, I believe, will be Kansas State. Um, I think Kansas State will be in play to win the conference. I think they'll okay. probably finish in the top three. Their running back, Deuce Vaughn, is probably the best player you've never heard of. The guy ran for like 1,400 yards last year. Uh, Adrian Martinez is their quarterback. You may remember him. He was at Nebraska. Uh, uh, the last few years, and now he was he got he transferred. Now he's at K State. He's got talent. Now he's a guy that I think needed a better coaching, better talent around him. And it's crazy to think that he'll get that at K State and not at Nebraska. But that is just <laughs> that is just where things are at in terms of where Nebraska football is at right now. So I think you combine uh, Martinez and Vaughn, and then you got uh, Felix Amudike Uzama, who is their pass rusher. He had 11 sacks last year. Another guy. Maybe one of the best defensive players you've never heard of. They got some high end players, uh, and 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 the schedule is tricky because they got some early matchups against Missouri in week two, and they play on the road at OU in week four. But I'll be bold and say that they sweep both of those games, and I'll say they'll be undefeated by the time they head into their match at Iowa at Iowa State on October eighth. 
Uh, Chris Kleinman, who's been their head coach, I think he's done a sneaky, solid job there. In two of the three years he's been there, he's won eight games. Uh, the, the only year they didn't win eight games was the, the pandemic year where they played, like, I think only nine games or whatever. So they were four and five, I think. But uh, I think that they win nine. I think they, they get the best mark they've had under Kleinman this year. Uh, they've done some uh, tweaking with the offense. They're doing a little more off-tempo stuff this year. So K-State, a team to pay attention to this year. All right. That's that's an interesting uh... – I think that's an interesting pick. I'll have to watch some some more of their games uh, this year. Um, uh, so for me, I have the the team to to um, uh, team that to watch. Team that may surprise is te- Texas. Um, I know people. Um, of course, Texas has not had the best program for the for the past several years. Um, I mean, really, quite frankly, since, you know, back in the, <laughs> the Vince Young, the Vince Young uh, days, days and the Colt, Colt McCoy days, Colt yeah. McCoy, um, you know, the program just kind of, you know, just hasn't been the same. Um, but I think they're going to surprise. I mean, uh, they have um, uh, they have viewers, they have Queen viewers, right? I mean, yeah, they have, um, as you mentioned, of course, Xavier Worthy, uh, B. John Robinson. They have they have players, right? They have players. They have talent. They have the coach, new coach. I mean, they just have to put it together. If they can put it together, uh, then this team is going to be something special to see. Um, so they're the team that I think is going to surprise people. I think they're going to be better than people think. And I think they're going to be in the mix for this conference. And it's just going to be more uh, fun, fun football for people to watch. And Texas is going to be a team that people are going to be watching again. All right. Last last conference we got before we uh, do our final picks here. So, Pac-12 football, football on the West Coast, to me, to me Sham, feels like it's been in a malaise uh, at this current moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Oregon lost another coach to a Florida school. USC and UCLA on the way out. Uh, some of the other more reliable programs in the past, like Stanford and Washington, appear to be on the decline. I don't say appear. They are on the decline, no question, especially with Stanford. Uh, with that being said, I think there is one team that I think everyone still needs to pay attention to, and that is Utah. Uh, the Utes won the conference last year. They stood toe-to-toe with that high-powered Ohio State team in that Rose Bowl game, which was one of the most epic games of the college football season, even though they did lose that game. How for real do you think Utah is coming into this year? Uh, I I just I don't know. Mm. And, and it is – I mean, it's just – it's hard um, – you, d- you just don't know what you, you really kind of just don't know coming out of the Pac-12. Um, I mean, the conference, I mean, you have Oregon, but they're just 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 in terms of like recently and, and just in recent history, there just isn't that much going on in the Pac-12. Yeah. So regardless of, you know, what team is coming out of that conference, you know, looking good, whether it's Oregon or anybody else, you're kind of like, how real is this? I don't know. Yeah. Um. So. So it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to answer. I mean, they I think they're a talented team. I think they're going to be a competitive team. Um, but in terms of playoff, in terms of you know if they're just going to zoom through the conference, I have my doubts. If I'm being totally honest, with you. interesting. This is a team that's ranked number seven in the uh, in the AP pool, number eight in the coaches poll. So even though Utah is a power five school, but I think some people kind of still give them that like. Uh, you know, group of six kind of feel. Uh, they're not getting that. They're getting the respect of a power five program, putting them 
in the top eight uh, in both in both uh, in both polls. But Shamari's still unsure because of the Pac-12. So that leads us to this uh, these picks here. So I'll let Sham go first. Who do you have winning the Pac-12? Um, so I have USC winning the Pac-12. There you go. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I mean, you know, of course, I just, I was just talking about Utah. I have USC winning the Pac-12. Um, I think you, I think this is going to be a USC is back year. Wow. You know, okay. Shamari bullish on Florida. Be, He's bullish on uh, uh, who's Texas, and now uh, USC. I think it's going to be a party at in 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 you know SoCal. You're partying like it's 2005. For sure, right you know, now. it's gonna be a party in SoCal, party at the USC campus every week. That's just that's my, I guess, another bold prediction. You know, I think they got go, they got a bunch of guys now at USC. They have the coach, they have the they have the the infrastructure, the program. They have you know the the kind of I think they have the, um, you know the fans, the kind of just the kind of the the. The uh, kind of football atmosphere. Yeah, it feels like it feels like an awakening. You know, it really does. Yeah, it really does. I think I think this and there's so and there's so much good talent, good talented football players that come out of California. Yeah, and you know, with USC being the program that it is now, I think this is going to be a big change. Um, so I think they're going to come out and they're going to come out big and win the conference. Wow, that that would be something if they were able to do that. But I mean, look. Caleb Wins and Jordan Addison. That's a hell of a way to start if you're trying to build something there at SC. Uh, I'm going with Utah, man. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm all in on Utah, man. I, I feel like, for me, uh, besides mm-hmm. Utah, uh, Alabama, um, uh, but excuse me, besides Alabama, I think Utah was, was the easiest choice for winning mm-hmm. a conference. Maybe Alabama and Ohio State, but I, I think them and Ohio State are kind of both very easy for me. And as a tie for second for the easiest pick for right. in their conference. Uh, to me, no team put themselves over more in a loss last season than Utah did against Ohio State at the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cameron Rising showed that he's tough. He showed that he's smart. He's a guy that actually didn't win the job in camp last year. He came in in week three and took the job, and he really took the team by the reins and did a tremendous job all year. He's got some throwing ability. He can run a little bit. Uh, Travion Thomas, the running back, is a touchdown machine. He had 21 touchdowns last year. Now, the defense did lose a lot. You know, Devin Lloyd is mm-hmm. probably the best defensive player to ever play at Utah. He's not there anymore. Nefai Sewell, he's not there anymore either. But they do get back uh, Travis Broughton, uh, Bruton, who was their cornerback, who was all-conference player. He missed most of last season with a shoulder injury. So you lose two stars, you gain one. Um, again, I think their conference is weak. I think they're in the weaker part of the conference playing in that North division. So uh, I got the youth dominating for much of this conference. Now, you know, a Pac-12 game is a Pac-12 game. No, it's a championship game. So anything can happen in that kind of atmosphere. But um, I think that they're the best team by far. I mean, they sure up their offensive line, which is really the only question mark I have. I think they run away with it. I got Utah. What do you got, though, for a player to watch, Sham? Uh, so the player I have to watch is going to be Zach Charbonnet from UCLA. Uh, he's their it's running back. Um, he's a fun running back to watch. He, yes, he, he is. is. He is. He's. He's fast. He's. He's shifty. He has a lot of agility, and he's strong, which yeah. is you know, he's just a very very solid back, very reliable back, 
I think if they had a less reliable back, a lot of less people would be talking about UCLA in general. Um, uh, and I know there's a lot of eyes on, uh, I believe his name Dorian Thompson Robinson, yeah. I believe. Yep. Um, there's a lot of eyes on him as a quarterback. And, you know, that's just going to be the nature of it. I mean, he's he yeah. has a lot of upside just in terms yeah, the, of, the, of there's the great the, the great Malik Wright quote. Everybody knows the quarterback. No, there you go. <laughs> um, but I think he's I think I think I think um, I think Charbonnet, I think he's going to I think he's he's going to be kind of the person to really keep an eye on on this team. Um, and I think he can end up having a really good year and end up being someone that a lot of NFL teams are looking at as well. Yeah, interesting career arc for Charbonnet. Guy who was at Michigan, played a lot as a freshman, didn't play a lot as a sophomore, transfers to UCLA, and then lights it up last year playing in that Chip Kelly offense. So uh, interesting trajectory. I agree. He's definitely a player to watch, one of the better players in their conference for sure. For me, when it comes to a player to watch, and I try not to just pick like the most famous and best guy in the conference, but this was one I feel like you really, I couldn't avoid. Like To me, the player to watch is clearly Caleb Williams at yes. Mm-hmm. Um, look, Kendall who, of course, is the third prong in this new generation operation. He said when Caleb Williams transferred to SC that he thought that this was the biggest transfer in the history of college football. And honestly, given the fanfare around it and given his talent, it's kind of hard to argue. I I think I mentioned when we talked about it, I was like, I mean, maybe Troy Aikman, which I'm like, now I'm going back to 1988, (laughs) whenever the hell Troy Aikman was transferring from Oklahoma to UCLA. But that's how big this was. Uh, he's a five-star QB talent. He's flashed NFL type of talent. And he's a, at a program that had no juice and no energy until him and Riley showed up. So now this is the guy and this is the team that we all want to see. And now Jordan Addison's there too. He's going to be throwing to him. They could put up big numbers in uh, in year one. I think there's an expectation that Williams will put up big uh, numbers in year one. And there's a lot of pressure there. So, no question in my mind that Caleb Williams is the guy to watch in this conference this year. Team that will surprise, Sham. Who do you got? Um, I have Oregon. Um, Interesting. Okay. As a team that will surprise, um, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna come out. I think they're gonna be better than people expect. Um, I think they're gonna be uh, much more polished. I think they have a, a lot tough of people game. Are they have a tough game out the gate playing in Atlanta against. Georgia. Yeah, it's going to be a tough game. It, it is definitely going to be a tough game. Um, but, you know, I think they're going to show up. You know, I don't think Georgia's going to come in and just, just you know, step all over them. So um, I think they're definitely going to be a team that's going to shock people. I think people are kind of expecting Oregon to just fade away. And I don't think they're going to fade away. I think they're going to you know, remain in the playoff conversation for the whole year. That That is would be my prediction for this Oregon team. So I think they're going to Interesting. You. Yeah, interesting there. I mean, it's funny with Oregon. I just haven't – I don't know. I, again, another program that kind of feels like it's been a little bit of a malaise. And it just feels like Lanning showing up, showing up now, he's such a fish out of water. It just feels like a guy who knows that this is a bridge job, that he can go there, win a lot of games, and go somewhere else. But I, I kind of mm-hmm. wonder if the buck stops here. I kind of wonder if this is the guy that can't do that because now – recruits and everybody around the country sees what's happening at Oregon where people just go there and they know they can just get a better job as soon as they another one comes up so um but Oregon's interesting team like I said Noah Sewell is a just a beast uh one of maybe the best defensive player in college football I know we talk about Will Anderson a lot but Noah Sewell on the west coast doesn't get a lot of love as an interior linebacker just an absolute monster 
So Oregon is interesting just from that regard. Bo Nix being the quarterback, yep. he's the guy why I couldn't really talk about them because I, I just I've seen enough of Bo Nix. I just don't think there's anything there. But new system, new team. I, I, let's see what happens at Oregon. Team I have that will surprise. I have UCLA. Look, I've never been a Chip Kelly guy. I think the guy is cantankerous. I think that he is stubborn. <laughs> I don't think that he relates well to people. I don't think that he's necessarily even the most honest guy. But the guy coached his ass off last year. Like, there's no – not even the biggest Chip Kelly hater can sit here and say that he didn't coach his ass off last year <laughs> to get UCLA back to respectability. I don't think anybody thought he had that kind of coaching job in him. In some ways, it tells me maybe things have changed for Chip Kelly. And now I look at this team and I think, hey, maybe this is something that's sustainable. I think it's one of those things that will go one of two ways. Either the kids really buy into Chip Kelly's stuff and they team, the team continues to ascend, which I'm going to say is what's going to happen, or they get tired of his act, they realize he's a phony, and they crater. It's, it's going to be either one or the other. It's not going to be anything in the middle. But I think when you have a guy like Dorian Thompson-Robinson at QB, you mentioned Jarbonet at running back, that's going to, I think, help kind of keep them going in the right direction. Their defense last year was awful, and I think it showed itself after those two mm-hmm. big wins early in the year when they played Fresno State, and the kid from Fresno State, the QB, who's one of the better QBs in the country, lit them up, and we were like, oh, God, they really can't stop anybody. So they brought in uh, Bill McGovern, who has been an NFL uh, defensive coach for a long time. He's now their new defensive coordinator. I think with a weak conference, I think with a high-powered offense, they'll be able to outscore people enough to where uh, UCLA, I think they come back and they win nine games this year. I'll say UCLA is a team that surprised this year with all the attention on SC. I think it'll be UCLA that actually may be the best team in the city of Los Angeles. So that brings us, Sham, to our final overall picks to end the show. So let's start with Heisman Trophy pick. I'm going with C.J. Stroud of Ohio State. I think this has become kind of a quarterback award. So I think the quarterback that puts up the best numbers on the – I don't want to say necessarily always the best team. I think Alabama will probably be undefeated as well. But, you know, SEC is tough. You never know. Uh, I think Ohio State will be undefeated this year. So I think quarterback with the best team and the best numbers, typically they usually win. I think that will be Stroud this year. I think Young will be great, but I think that you'll see Alabama lean more on running back play this year than maybe in previous years. And I also think that there's always the voter fatigue of we got voted the guy last year. For whatever reason, uh, they don't like to vote repeat winners. Um, even when they're guys who put up big numbers, they don't seem to do it. So I'm going with Stroud as my pick for Heisman. Hmm. All right. Um, yeah, it's funny. I'm actually going to go with one of his weapons, which is Jackson Smith and Jigba. Wow. Um, wide receiver. Yeah, I think in Jigba. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be another wide receiver year. We just of course we had Smitty. Uh, That's true. Recently. Yeah. From Alabama. Um, I think there's going to be another one of those where <laughs> where just the tape does not lie. Right. He He's. I think it's going to be week to week. He can't be guarded. Just wide open. Crazy route running. Crazy hands. Crazy numbers. Breaking school records. Breaking college football records. I think this is going to be one of those years. That's just. That is what I foresee. Um, And I think the Heisman voters is just going to be like, I guess he's got another receiver. That is just clearly a very special talent. 
um, that you know I can't I can't not vote for him. So I think that's I think that's what we're gonna see. I think Stroud's gonna be in the running as well. I mean, very well could yeah. be Stroud, but but I think but I think um, I just think he's gonna have a very good year. So I, I'm predicting him as Eisen winner. You picking Smith and Jigba makes me wonder if there is a chance that votes may get split because that was why that was why I didn't pick you know Will Anderson. Um, mm. I thought that he would like he would like that Bryce Young would take votes from him, but I really didn't think of the wide receivers potentially being in play. I actually thought that maybe Travion Henderson would be more in play, but yeah, we did just have Devontae Smith, and we are in more of a passing era. And I think that receivers moving forward because of Devontae Smith will get more love in Heisman trophy conversation so a very interesting pick there college football playoff teams i would give you my four teams i'm going with alabama ohio state utah and nc state so two of the teams that i think most people expect to be there in the end with alabama ohio state two teams that i think will be a little bit of a surprise especially nc state but i think nc state is going to be a position where there will be multiple losses from the team that wins the big 12 and the uh, Pac-12, oh no, not the Pac-12. Uh, the Big Twelve and the um, and there's another conference. Uh, there's five conferences. Which one am I thinking about? Uh, <laughs> now I'm going through the conferences. Let's see. Uh, Big Twelve will have team with multiple losses, and oh, I guess that's it. I don't know why I was thinking another team, but uh, the Big Twelve will have a team. Oh, that's why the Big Twelve, the, the Pac-12 will have team. Well, Big Twelve will have a team with multiple losses, and I don't think the SEC gets two. That's what I was trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. So. That will give the ACC a shot to get in here with either Clemson or NC State or Miami or someone else, is that Pitt maybe or someone like that, if they only lose one game. I think NC State only loses one, and I think they find a way to get in. So those are my four teams. Wow, that's that's a bold prediction. Yes, um, so I'll, I'll give my four teams. I have Ohio State, Alabama, USC, and Clemson. Okay, um, USC in there. That woke me up. Yeah, so I have USC <laughs> wow. in the in the in the playoff. I think they're gonna make the, I think they're gonna I think USC is going to have is going to be bad. I think US, wow. this is a USC. One is year in Lincoln year. Riley and they're already in the playoff. Yeah, I think they're in the playoff. I think I think this is a USC is back year. They are going to steamroll college football. They're going to definitely show out and be in the playoff. Um, and Clemson's going to be back as well. I think they're another team that's going to do much better than a lot of people think, um, win a lot of games, and make their case for, for, for making the playoff, and I think they're going to get it. Wow. If, if, you talk about Clay Helton being a bozo. If he gets fired in the next year, they go to the college football playoff. I mean, that guy's never getting a head coaching job. <laughs> uh, so that that would be something there. All right. National championship pick here. I am taking the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, honestly, picking Stroud made me think that maybe it was not a good idea to pick Ohio State because typically, as we saw last year with Bryce Young, the Heisman Trophy winner having to then go win the National Championship doesn't really happen all that often. I mean, Devontae Smith did it, but um, we've seen now recently a lot of those guys struggle in the college football playoff. I'm going to say that doesn't happen with C.J. Stroud. I do think they'll face Alabama in the National Championship game. I think it will be a hellacious game. I think it will be a clash of the Titans. But I do still feel like, as we saw even last year with Alabama, when a team has just insane weapons, 
Like, and I mean insane weapons. Like, that's what it takes to beat them. Like, you can't just be a decent team or a team that, like, in terms of being in the college football playoff. If you have, like, insane weapons, like, they could be hurt. And I think we saw that last year, even though maybe Stetson Bennett wasn't that kind of guy. We now know George Pickens was that kind of guy. Uh, he didn't get to play much last year, but he played in that national championship game, and he showed why he was all-world, you know, coming into college. Mm-hmm. And when I think of, again, the weapons that they have, the running game, the balance on offense, it would be a hell of, hell of a game. But I think it would be a high-scoring one, and I would lean towards Ohio State if they played one-on-one with Alabama, mano a mano. So Ohio State's my, my national champion. What about you? So I have Ohio State as well. So, wow, yeah, we, we're in agreement there. Yeah, so you know we got the same we got the same pick for national champion. I have Ohio State as national national champion. So I echo all your sentiments. I think they're I think I think this team is just gonna be, you know, I think they're just gonna be one of those one of those teams as I keep saying kept saying in the show, top of the show, middle of the show, end of the show. This is gonna <laughs> yeah. be one of those special teams, one of those special college football teams. One of those teams that are put on Madden and I guess on NTA football, whenever that comes out, this is going to be one of those teams that's just going to be like this. This was a team that that people remember like this. Uh, people are going to be talking. Do you remember that team that just couldn't you couldn't stop them? They scored 30 every single game, every every week. And it's like, yeah. So I think they're going to win the national championship. I agree. I think they're going to play Alabama as well. But I think I don't think they're going to be able to stop them. I really don't. Wow. Wow. Bold. Bold. Uh, and not only a bold prediction, but you know, a surprise for me that we both were on the same page. We're both going with the Ohio State Buckeyes this year. But um, man, what a great show, Sham! Thank you so much for coming on to do this show with us. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. Um, uh, this was been this has been a great ride uh, throughout this show. Of course, if you enjoy the show, make sure to check out all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network. You can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media. Follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, and Instagram, New Generation Podcast. And follow us individually on social media as well. You can find um, myself, EJ underscore Stewart, uh, uh, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, actually EJ on Instagram. You can find Shamari on uh, Instagram and Snapchat, NCSham22. That's going to do it for now, though. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. For Shamari, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.